My name is Brenda. I'm one of the pastors here. If we haven't had the chance to meet, or if you didn't recognize me because I curled my hair today, <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a couple people walk by me and then go, oh, I'm like, yes, <laughs> I do know how to use a curling iron. Um, so <laughs> uh, we are in this series called Family Values, and we kicked this off last week, and we will be talking about this for the next couple of weeks as we lead to our kickoff Sunday, which is happening on September 11th, when Pastor Andrew will be back and giving us just vision and direction for where God is leading us over the coming year and over this fall. And we've been talking, or what we are talking about in this series, Family Values, is who we are as a church family and what we value the most. And so if you go to different churches, and, and I know many of you here have been to other churches, and you would find that the atmosphere, the things that are important or valued are different in every church family. And that's what makes us unique and special, and that's something to be celebrated. Not every church is the same, and that's actually okay. That's a good thing, because it means we can all find a place that we feel at home. And I hope that if you call Mountain Park your home, if this is your church family, if you feel comfortable and settled here, that the things that we are talking about during the series would also be the things that echo in your heart, that you would be saying, yes, that's the kind of church I wanna be a part of. That's the kind of people I wanna call my own. This is the kind of place where I wanna be settled and rooted. These are the things that are important to me. And so last week we were talking about the fact that we value transformation, that we value that God is moving in your life. When we were using our, our sort of, I hate those words like slogans and mottos and all that stuff, but that vision statement for our church that Jesus can change your life, that that's not just cliche for us, we actually believe it's true and it is at the heart of everything that we do is that we actually believe Jesus can change your life and will if you surrender it to him. If you allow him to work, he will do something amazing in your life. I want us to throw up that triangle diagram again, and I, and I think we got a little bit of a clearer one this week in what we were looking at. It was just the, the bottom corner here that's the formation of Jesus and how we are formed by scripture, reliance on the Holy Spirit gifting and power and spiritual practices. And we're gonna keep coming back to this and keep talking about this and keep looking at this because this is actually how we believe lives are changed. And these are three very important pieces. Believing that scripture is the highest authority for our lives, that the word of God is his inspired word for us to live by, that it's a guidebook for our lives and that we put it into practice in our lives. That the spiritual practices are a practical place and an intentional place where we meet with God and we're building our relationship with him. That through prayer and reading the word and silence and solitude and all of those things, fasting. We're gonna be talking about that a little bit later on this morning. 
but we're building our relationship with God through the spiritual practices so that when hard times come, we don't have to go, you know, where's God? Oh, I better get back into the word. Oh, something's going on. No, I've got a base of relationship with him that I can pull from when things begin to get hard. And the reliance on the Holy Spirit's gifting and power is a really important part of this too. And so we are gonna be moving into a series this fall. We're gonna kick it off on Revival Weekend and we're gonna be moving into a series where we are talking about the Holy Spirit gifting and power. And I know that a lot of us come from different backgrounds. A lot of us come from different church styles and some of us may not have a whole lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit or we may have got a whole lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit, but not sure exactly where we stand as a church. And so we're gonna dig into this and we're gonna talk about that this fall. But as a prelude to that, I wanna talk today about the Holy Spirit gifting and power in a sense. But today, I actually wanna talk about the most powerful work of the Spirit which is the work of actually transforming a life. And it's not so much what he does through us, but what he wants to do in us. That is the first and foremost work of the Holy Spirit, is to work in your life. And then he can work through your life. The work of the Holy Spirit is what leads a sinner to repentance. It would, it's what leads us to a revelation of who Jesus Christ is as our Lord and Savior. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says no one could even say Jesus is Lord without the work of the Holy Spirit already happening in their life. It is his power that woos us close to his heart, that brings us to cross that line of salvation and put our faith in the Lord Jesus. And it is that same power that continues to work in our life, to get everything out that is aligned with sin and darkness to redeem and restore and to make us holy as the scriptures say. There's this big word that I learned as a little kid in the King James version of the Bible called sanctification. And a lot of newer translations call it being holy or becoming holy, or they say it a little bit different. They don't use this word sanctify or sanctification as much anymore, but this is a really important word for us to know. It means to be made holy or to be set apart for a special purpose. And part of this work is what has been done. The scriptures say in Hebrews 10.10, that we have been sanctified by the blood of Christ. That is done, it is finished. We have been sanctified, but the scripture also supports this idea that we are being sanctified as an ongoing work of the Spirit in places like Romans 15, 16. So sanctification is a work of the Spirit from start to finish. It is initiated by the Spirit of God. It happens by the Spirit of God. His conviction, His provoking, His teaching, His leading us back to the words of Jesus. It is inspired by the Spirit. It is a work that is done by the Spirit. 
Only God gets glory for the work that happens in our life. But we are called to be involved and cooperate with what the Spirit wants to do. When Paul talks about walking in step with the Spirit and being in line with the Spirit and surrendering to what the Spirit wants to do and being slaves to the Spirit of God, it is surrendering our lives to the work that the Spirit wants to do to sanctify us, to make us into the person that God can actually use with his gifting and power. This is a fruit first mentality. We need the fruit of the Spirit of God alive and working in our lives. Nothing is more extraordinary or more powerful than a life that has been transformed by the power of the Word made alive by the Spirit of God. And the greatest miracle that you will ever see is the fruit of character reformation. That is the greatest miracle you'll ever see. Galatians 5 is where we find the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence that the Spirit of God is at work in someone's life is listed as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If your life is looking more like these things all of the time, that's evidence that the Spirit of God is at work. That's how everyone else can look at your life and know that God is at work. How can you have peace in the middle of a storm? How can you still have joy no matter what I see going on in your life? How are you so loving all the time towards even the most annoying people? How do you walk in gentleness and kindness all the time? I'm getting sick of it. It's because the Spirit of God is at work in my life and you're seeing the evidence of that. I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the people around you in your life who are going to begin to notice this. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. We are naturally dazzled and mesmerized by gifting. Even if it's a natural gift or ability, doesn't have to be supernatural gifting. We are dazzled by gifting, talent, and natural ability. We celebrate it. We elevate it over other things. Just think about when you were a kid in school, whatever it was you were good at. Maybe you were on the track team and you were like the track star of the school and everybody was, hey, great run the other day, right? You received affirmation and accolades from others because of what you were good at. Maybe you were the best reader in your class as a little kid. Maybe you were great at math or science and no one else could get it or understand it. Our family was a little different. My kids were hanging out in the library and doing battle of the books, but they were really good at it. It was an area where they excelled. And for me personally, one of my favorite days at school was when I had to do a speech or presentation. Surprise, surprise. And everyone else was faking sick and wanted to stay home and was like puking and like I've been sick all morning. I'm like, this is the best day ever. And I realized very young that I could take almost any topic and mesmerize people with my words. 
And people would stop me in the hallway and be like, that was so great. How do you talk in front of people? I'm like, I don't know. It is just a natural gift. I can do it. I could probably read you a nursery rhyme right now and you'd be like, yes, I want to give my life to Christ. It's a gift. But we, we affirm people and we love that, right? That feeds our ego and our pride. Yeah, I wanna hear you say I did a good job. I wanna hear you, I wanna see you give me a high five in the hallway, right? Oh, this is so dangerous. This is such dangerous territory for us. I loved receiving affirmation for the things that I was good at, that people could see my talent and my ability because I didn't have many. And I was the kid who was faking sick on track and field day. I know the rest of you love that day, but I was the one who was like, I'm sick, I can't go to school because I couldn't handle the competition of track and field and I wasn't good at any of it. But I had this one area where I excelled And so people would honor that gift. But man, this is dangerous territory because if we are naturally good at something, we could easily forget that we need God in this area of our life. We could easily forget that it's only under his power and his anointing and his hand and his presence that our gift comes alive and can actually be something for the kingdom of God. There's something about delivering messages for me. And some of you have said, man, you're such a passionate preacher. Yeah, I am. And you know what? I need to be. And if that ever stops, you're welcome to pull me aside and sit me down. You need to. You need to keep me accountable to that. Because I know I could stand up here and just, you know, have a good word and I could deliver it. But what a shame it is when people take a natural gifting and think they're good enough to be able to get up in the house of God. I don't dare get on this stage until I have wrestled through a word and I've come to a point where I'm on my knees and my heart is burning and there's tears in my eyes and I'm like, yes, God, I get it. You're breaking my heart for this word. Help me deliver it in a way that people can absorb it and run with it and be changed by the power of your word as it comes alive by the spirit inside of us. And if I don't get to that place, I dare not get up here and do what I am called to do. And if I wanna challenge you, if you are part of our worship team, if you have a natural gift to play the drums or a guitar or to sing, you better be on your knees that week praying that God is moving and working in your life. If you want to come and lead and minister to his people, you can't rely on your natural gifting alone in this atmosphere. We need to have God's anointing. And that is the sweet spot that everyone can come to when God's anointing comes on the natural gift that he's given you and all of a sudden it clicks and the spirit is like, yeah, and he begins to work and move and that's when things connect with people's hearts and they can actually come alive and run and meet with God in his presence. But we have to be careful that we're setting the stage and the atmosphere for that. That's why as part of our volunteer teams, we do something early in the morning before any of the rest of you get here called our volunteer huddle. And we sing a song of worship and we pray together and we set our hearts and the atmosphere and the space for what God wants to do. 
Our parking lot guys are not just parking your cars out there. They are out there early walking the perimeter of our property and praying over it and praying for every car that is going to come in this space. We are preparing something for you and we take that very seriously. And my call for anyone who wants to be a volunteer on one of our teams is, are you preparing yourself to come and to serve others? Are you preparing your heart ahead of time? Are you coming early and praying for the people that you're gonna serve today? Are you asking God to give you a word for somebody? Are you, are you alert and intentionally looking for those people who need someone to put their arm around them or to give them an encouragement today? Are you in that zone? Are you in that space with us? Maybe you're naturally just good with people, but I don't care. You need the power of God on your life if you're going to impact someone for the word of God. It scares me a little when we begin to seek gifting over godly character. Come on, friends. We've all seen this go terribly wrong in the church where we've exalted charisma and gifting over godly character. We've seen far too many charismatic leaders in our generation who have fallen in moral sin and no one is keeping them accountable. Where is the character of God in their lives? Well, we can get far on charisma. We can get far on natural gifting. But if we're not getting in the presence of God and coming under his hand, it's useless and fruitless. I know that probably sounds harsh, but we have to let God do a transformational work in our lives first. So then we can bring it to the people around us and the people that we serve. And when we haven't, the results have been tragic in the church and for our reputation in the world. Tragic. Our purpose as Christians, first and foremost, is to be transformed into the likeness of Christ and then to do the, the things that Christ calls us to do. Not the other way around. But we get this backwards all the time and we want the gifting before the fruit. But it's the fruit it's that hard work of building your character, of building that foundation in your life where the Spirit will build in us the capacity to carry His gifting and calling. We get this backwards all the time. And when we concern ourselves with growing into be the kind of person who can carry the nature of Christ, then he can trust us with more of his gifting and power. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I want to make sure my heart is right before him. I want to be soft and surrender to his hand. I want to be able to hear what his heart is saying for you before I come in here on a Sunday. In the Bible, God chose heart over gifting time and time and time again. He chose people whose hearts were soft, where he could work. And he said, I'd rather have that than someone who's incredibly talented. Look at the story of David. 
when Samuel was told to go and anoint one of Jesse's sons that was going to be the next king. And he looked at all of them and they were strong and, and they were warriors. And he was like, I don't know. I don't see the next king here. And God said, just a minute. He's out in the field and he's taking care of the sheep and he may be young and he may be small and he may not look like a warrior or a king, but I've been working in his heart and in his life and I've been preparing him. He's the one who says, search me, God. Find anything in me that is not like you and get it out. He's the one who's working and I've been building in him the capacity to be a king. He might not look like the leader you think he should be, but I am doing something in his life and I can do more with a heart that is soft and surrendered, a heart that is pliable and moldable in my hands than I can with someone who thinks they have all the talent. And I would say that for you too, if you're a leader or if you're new here to Mountain Park, you know, I have people who walk up to me sometimes and they're like, hi, and like I'm new here. I was a really good Bible teacher at my old church and you know, I just want to lead something. And I'm like, great, that's awesome. We're so glad to have you here. Take a seat for like six months and let me get to know you. I wanna know what you're like. I actually don't care how gifted you are. I wanna know what your heart posture is like. I wanna know if you're soft and surrender to what God wants to do. We all wanna be a vessel. Nobody wants to be the clay. We all wanna be a vessel used by God, but we don't wanna be the clay that's moldable in his hand so he can make us into the person that can carry his gifting and calling and anointing. Those who must rely on the Spirit's power are always going to be more humble and gracious than those who rely on their gifting. We have to be careful, people. It's an area of pride. I was in this meeting, this conference that I took with, um, Alex was there actually, I think he was the only other staff member who was there with me and it was a formational prayer uh, seminar that we were at for several days under the direction and the leadership of a man named Terry Wardle. And if you don't know Terry and if you've never been under his ministry, he's a fantastic speaker. He's way better live than online. You can look him up online. He's a great speaker, gentle, soft, older gentleman. It's like listening to your grandpa, like just so great. And I loved his teaching uh, and his style, the way he could command the room. Just as a communicator, I was really intrigued with how he worked in the room. But anyway, he said something that stuck with Alex and I. So we're sitting there with all these leaders who are there to learn. And he says, have you ever heard this kind of message where someone says the Holy Spirit is like a tool belt or a toolbox? and that you could pull out whatever tool that you, put up your hand if you've heard that message before. Lots of us have. And he just stands there for a second and Alex and I are looking across the aisle going, yeah, I've like preached that. We're like, yeah. And he goes, that's hogwash. And we're like, what? Hold up, what? He goes, are you kidding me? He said, you're the tool. And we're like, what? Well, Alex looks at me, his eyes are big as saucers. He said, the Holy Spirit is sharpening you so he can use you where he chooses to. 
You don't think you pull him out wherever you want to. He's working in your life to make you into a vessel that he can use where he wants to. And Alex and I were both just like, whoa, blow my mind. Isn't that true? We get these false ideas and false teaching that we've heard along the way and picked up. This is true. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your life to sharpen you, to make you into a vessel that can carry his gifting and power into all kinds of places. But we have to have our lives surrendered and willing to let him work and do that inside of us. This is why one of our family values is integrity. This is really important to us and written into our constitution, we have these words that we are committed to character over charisma and godliness over gifting. We've written this in because it is such a core value to us in the family of God. These are a few words from our new constitution. Kingdom character is expressed in humility, gentleness, servanthood, faith, and generosity. These are what we want to be known for internally and externally in our region. They should be evidenced in how we communicate and how we respond and how we lead. This is a very important value for us. And I wanna be clear that integrity of character does not mean perfection. Integrity, its definition actually means the state of being whole, undivided, or complete. What this means is that I'm consistent in my character. Not perfect, consistent. Meaning that I am gonna mess up and I am gonna hurt people. And once in a while, my own flesh is gonna rise up and my hurts and dysfunctions are gonna come out on the surface. But am I willing to stay in the conversation? Am I willing to work through the relationship? Am I willing to go to the hard places to mend things and to work through them? Yes, I am. So my character can be consistent even if I have moments where I need your grace. And we need that for each other. We need to be a place where we have grace for each other as we're learning and growing, as we're becoming more like Christ. We need a ton of grace for each other. So having integrity of character is not being perfect, but it's being willing to be shaped and molded at all times. It's willing to be pliable in the hands of God. It's willing to say, I'll go to those hard places. I'm not giving up. I'm not walking away. I'm staying and I'm working on relationship and I want to work this through with you so that we can have unity and peace in the body of Christ. I'm not going to run when things get hard. You can call me on things and I can call you on things. This is having integrity and working together at working it out in our lives. One of the things that we often say in our culture here at Mountain Park is that we are, we are committed to or concerned about being before doing. That we believe God is more interested in who we are becoming 
than what we are doing for him. So it's important if you're part of one of our teams, like I was saying earlier, to rest in scriptures like John 15, four, where Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you because no branch can bear fruit by itself. Remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is important. In this portion of scripture, you can go and read it in John 15. He says it over and over and over. Remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. Because it's only coming out of our relationship with God, coming out of our alone time and our prayer time and our time on our knees when he's wrecking us with a piece of scripture that then we can step out and actually carry the anointing and calling into someone else's life, that gifting and power of the spirit. But we have to let him work in us first. I wanna read what was for me a very provoking piece of scripture. It's in Matthew 7. It says this, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do pick, people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This is a very sobering piece of scripture for those of us who would want and desire to walk in the gifting and the power of God. Very sobering. What is Jesus saying here? that you could have gifts, that you could prophesy, that you could see demons flee when you pray, that you would see many miracles, but have absolutely no fruit in your life. This is baffling to me, and it almost feels contradictory to what I've been preaching all morning, doesn't it? Because what I'm trying to say, what I have been trying to say, is that I believe when we work on the fruit, it expands our capacity to be able to hold the gifting and, and the power of God. But what he's saying here is that you could have many miracles and have no fruit. Some of us in this room have been under leaders in the church in the past who we feel, or I'll just say, I, I felt exemplified this scripture. And 
when it came to a point where moral failure was exposed, I asked God the question. I looked around and there was healing and salvation and miracles and God was moving in people's lives. But I'm like, why didn't you stop that? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you do something about it? And you know what he said? Because there were salvations and healings and miracles and people's lives were being changed. Oh, so the needs of God's people are more important to him than the instrument that those things will be met through. I didn't say that very well. That wasn't very eloquent. God cares more about the needs of his people and wants to meet that more than he's willing to go through any means to get there. He can and has used a donkey to deliver his word. And he's used leaders who had moral failure and did not have godly character happening in their lives to perform miracles. This is good news, especially if you are in need. If you get a miracle in your life, do you care where it came from? No, you're gonna glorify God. Often we don't even remember who prayed for us or what happened at the altar, but we remember that our life was changed. We remember the results of what God did and we give him the glory. Man, this is very sobering for us. God seems to meet the needs of his people by whatever means is available. That is good news if you are in need. God will meet the needs of his people despite ungodly character. But at the end of the day, at the end of the story, when we stand before him, will he say, I recognize your fruit? Or will he say, I don't know you? You see, I think we look at ministry and we see fruitfulness as miracles, salvations, healings, baptisms. We count those numbers in church organization and we go, wow, that's so fruitful. The church is growing. We have more numbers. More people are getting saved. 20 people went through Alpha and we go, yay, we're super fruitful. That's not, that's not fruitfulness in God's eyes. Fruitfulness is, is your character being changed and transformed into the likeness of Christ. Are you bearing his image everywhere that your foot goes? Are you carrying the character qualities of Christ? Do you have integrity on the inside? That's the fruitfulness that God is looking for in our lives. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up. We're actually gonna sing a song of worship and we're gonna have some prayer here at the end. What a wonderful God we serve. He wants to work through your life. He wants to partner with his people. He wants your life to be a place where he can move and see his, his anointing and his power and his gifting flow through you. But God will still do what he intended to do for the hurting and for those in need, even if we're not in a place. As we head into this fall and into revival nights,
This has just been on my heart so much this week. Listen, I was listening to a, a podcast earlier this week. It was by Sam Storms on revival. And the first thing he said as he opened up his, his, this podcast message was, revival isn't something that you can put on a calendar and expect God to just show up. You can't schedule in a move of God. It's not up to us to mark a date and just go, okay, God, we expect you to show up that day. Revival comes when the hearts of his people are bowed before him in surrender and allowing him to work in our lives so deeply that revival becomes the overflow and the outflow of what God is doing. Revival never comes without prayer. And I'm not talking about the kind of prayer that says, change them. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that says, change me. If you wanna see revival in your kids' lives, are you willing to be the one to get on your knees and say, God, change me, make me a better mom. Help me to know what they need me to say and how they need me to be in their lives. If you're praying for revival in your marriage, are you constantly praying for God to change the other person? Or are you on your knees saying, God, change me. Make me into the spouse that my husband needs or my wife needs. Change me. I'll go first. You can work in my life so that then hopefully I can see what you want to do in their lives too. And if we want to see revival in our church and in our region, are we going to be the ones who will say, God, change me. Change me. I'll go first. Work in my life. Make me into a vessel that can carry your anointing and your power to the people around me. When I lay hands on the person beside me, that your power would go through me to them. When there's a, there's a call and the pastor says, stand up or lay hands on that person, that I can do that quickly because I've been in the presence of God and I've prepared my heart and I've allowed him to work in me and to change me so then I can bring change and revival to someone else. If we want God to actually bring revival in our church and in our city and in our region, we need to get on our knees and say, I'll go first. I'll be the people who ask, change me. And if you're with me in this, if you need to see things change around you and you're willing to say, I'll go first, would you just stand on your feet with me right now? And we're gonna turn this place into a prayer meeting. And we're gonna begin to ask God to move in our lives in a deep and powerful way to set the stage for what he wants to do in others' lives in our region. I've been praying for a harvest of souls into the kingdom. We need this, our world needs this. But more than I'm praying for that, I'm praying, God, would you form me and make me into a leader who can handle it when they walk in the door. Would you form us and make us into a people who know how to respond to the hurting and the lost? Will you do something in us to prepare us for what you have prepared for us? Mm -hmm.